Hello everyone and welcome back to Sober Politics. Um, so I realised that it's been a little while since I last posted or last did a podcast. Um, and to some extent I think that that's a good thing because obviously I started this podcast out of necessity, out of a need to record um, what was going on in real time because I knew that my life was basically in danger. Um, and I really don't say that lightly, um, that has happened a few times where I know that I've been so, 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 so close to being obliterated. And, um, earlier this year that when I started this podcast, like I knew that this was a way, me doing the podcast was a way for me to record what happened, for me to hear my own voice. And I think I've covered that quite a bit in how to start your own podcast and obviously, um, within the the entire thread of you know all, all all the posts and all the um the previous podcasts that I've done and so I think because I'm in a bit of a well not even a bit but in a much better place right now that I haven't needed to do a podcast um and I've sort of just been getting on with my life and obviously I'm always sort of dedicated to my activism and obviously all the themes that are covered in sober politics are things that I actively work on every single day um whether it's um things to do with domestic violence whether it's to do with um housing and homelessness whether it's to do with um therapy whether it's to do with decolonization whether it's to do with like generally women speaking you know women's rights or whether it's to do generally the relationship between men and women or generally speaking you know things to do with employment or things to do with education or things to do with you know political uh issues or geogra- geopolitical issues or um political strands or um you know a number of things that I'm interested in and then of course you know I did dip a little bit into my um thoughts about um the world of art and creativity and you know a tiny bit about the politics behind that and that yes I am a very deeply uh visual and creative person I I have a very strong inclination to that and I think that that's almost in a sense like my nature um, and I think everybody has this um, really trying to like surface you know like who I am really trying to reach the surface and breathe and 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 find light and I think that that's something that I I tend to feel almost all the time like um, yeah I think it's quite a constant I'm very in tune with myself and I think that when I'm in tune with myself like that really 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 comes about like I really am so sensitive to my environment especially like in terms of colors and um, textures and sounds and um, all of those things um, uh, yeah I love I love visual things you know like a visual visually pleasing space is what what I feel comfortable in um, I love patterns um you know I love plants um which are always like stunningly beautiful to look at so yeah I am in a much 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 wow like radically better place because I feel like I'm in a more uh what you can describe as like an egalitarian space like I'm not um when I first moved back to London from Italy one of the reasons why I moved back was because I thought I was moving into a place which would be safe for me which is the place in Camden where I was for just 
shy of a year um, before, you know, the landlords um, asked us to all move out um, in the middle of the pandemic. Um, so then I moved to Deptford, which is where, um, you know, my, my landlord's nephew, so my landlord is, well, the person, their, their grandparent, basically the final person from that generation had died during, I think right at the beginning of COVID, probably just as I just moved in. So like in November, December, and then there was like a year of COVID. And during that year, they decided that they wanted to sell the house because it, it was a good chance for them to sell the house at a good rate. And they'd previously sold a few years before that um, their great uncle's house, um, so yeah, which was also in Hampstead, which is a very sort of, um, what can you say? Um, I've forgotten the word. Um, wealthy area, part of town. Um, and so they wanted to sell the place in Camden, which is both two huge houses. Um, and obviously living with your landlord, even though they claim to be socialists or communists, um, they were obviously exploiting every single person who came into that space, who wasn't their immediate family. And obviously pretending to be the white savior, the, whatever they, whatever they get there kicks out of sort of um sort of marketing themselves as so they can get you know other people to clean their house for them or to sort of cover up the fact that they are a form form of uh, fascists actually and they are they cover up a lot of abuse and pedophilia and um yeah racism and sexism and all of that sort of thing and, you know, drug abuse and drug dealing and, you know, what, it, it just it's just endless, really, if I start going down that avenue of, like, grooming, all of it. Um, but I do cover it in my podcast. So that was the environment which I ended up in unwittingly, unexpectedly. And I think that a lot of young, vulnerable people, not necessarily young, they can end up in those spaces. And I think that one thing that I really wanted to address really quickly, because I think it's quite simple to address it but um some people say oh how come you always end up like in those kinds of situations because I've practically been vulnerable my whole life my dad died when I was five my mum's been sick and so I've been extremely vulnerable most people have their a member of their family to protect them but I didn't have that because all my siblings were too young and they were also trying to protect themselves and fend for themselves and yeah, we were just sort of not, we didn't have any extended family because obviously we were stolen from our ancestral land um, to provide labour for this country and for Europe, um, you know, under the guise of like, hey, come here, we will give your family benefits and all of this stuff and we'll give you social housing and all that shit. Meanwhile, it's obvious that what they really want to do is just steal you from your homeland and use you for your labor until you and work you to death like they did with my father and if you're a woman if you're the wife of that immigrant um obviously they want to bring their family here so they'll sort of like pretend that they're giving you opportunities and like housing and that stuff housing the type of housing i mean the cramped conditions which Bangladesh especially particularly and first and foremost Bangladeshis have to endure and experience cramped living conditions because 
you know, social housing isn't adequate. Um, it's damp ridden, it's badly built, it's badly designed. The flats are tiny um, and they're not really building them anymore. And no, they're not building them anymore. And they're also not repairing them properly. Well, they're sort of like beyond repair, I think. And because damp is something that, you know, you can, it's very difficult to um, manage. It's something that's very, really difficult to get rid of. Um, almost everyone I know in my family, including myself, when I was in the first place where we were living in Kensington, this tiny little council flat called Burn Jones House, um, yeah, was just dampered in the whole time. And we were sick the whole time um, because of that. Um, and it took my father becoming, you know, to having a stroke and becoming disabled for them to say, oh, you probably need a house which is on the ground floor. And that's how we got this, this, this place because they needed to... It, for it, for it to have like disability access, um, like an access access for for a wheelchair essentially, um, whereas Ben Jones' house was basically um, yeah on the it was on the fifth floor, but it didn't have a lift, um, and that was difficult enough for my family because I think yeah it was difficult for my dad to carry shopping up those stairs for to feed the kids and whatnot, but. Um, you know, it's a very complex history that I'm sort of describing in terms of, like, why. Um, and I'm not the only one. Like, I, thankfully, over time, like, I've met more women who are, have been similarly vulnerable as I have been throughout my life. And they will describe very um, similar descriptions of being exploited in various ways by people. Um, and so, yeah, it is that when you're vulnerable... Um, you are targeted, you're a target, um, whether that's being exploited in the workplace, whether that's within school, education system, whether that's just walking down the street, going into a shop, every single situation, even in your own, in your own family space, in your own familial, in your own community, every single situation that you're in, you are likely to be exploited, like I'm not saying that as an exaggeration, and m- women who have ended up homeless in women's shelters, who have um, have come from very, very, very precarious backgrounds, um, from abusive backgrounds, from backgrounds where they were never safe, um, will repeat the same thing. And so, yes, it is something that a lot of people are like, oh, and it's really like almost like where it's like a witch hunt kind of thing where you're kind of branded as um trouble not even trouble but someone who's like who who's just always has things going wrong or always like you know shit like you don't have a normal life yeah you don't when you're when you come from back when you don't have a roof over your head that's not normal not to have parents who can parent you like to have a sick mum all the time or for my dad to die prematurely the way he did is not normal or not to have my grandparents around, or not to have any extended family around, because everyone is in Bangladesh, is not normal. You are supposed to grow up with your family. And the reason why we don't, and we haven't, is is deliberate, and it's a product, and a direct and deliberate product of colonialism and imperialism and exploitation, and essentially a type of slave trade. Um, so yeah, not everyone will be able to identify with that because also some immigrants, they're not from places that are as far away as I am. So I'm not, I'm from very, very far away. I'm from 
you know, I'm not from the, I'm not from North Africa or like the Middle East or Pakistan or India or like that sort of region. I'm from the other side, and so I think that is the other side of India, <laughs> and India is a massive place. Um, so yeah, access to my my homeland or my roots or whatever has been extremely restricted. Um, my people have been historically exploited. Um, the most by imperialism and British imperialism um, and decimated over and over and over again. And that's that sort of history has a knock-on effect. It has a sort of, um, what they call it, like, uh, it actually affects your genes. It affects your, um, yeah, it genetically does affect you. And that's sad to say, and it's something that I have to recognise, but not obviously let it, you know, dictate what I can do with my life. Like I know I recognize what my um, vulnerabilities are, what my, um, you know, what can happen and what tends to happen to my people of my ethnicity. I know that, I'm aware of that, but I don't accept it as something that will be my fate, you know? Um, I have to recognize it and I have to work through it and I have to um, at least, acknowledge that it's there because at least I know what's going on and that's why I, I, I pick these things apart because it's it's easier for me even though it's not it's sort of lose-lose because the more you learn the more you realize how fucked up the situation is and how desperately lost you are in a sense and how bad it is and how terrible the whole situation is like of course it's terrible that I didn't I, I, I mean all aspects of it have been terrible I mean you know, a lot of people take things for granted, like the fact that they have aunts and uncles and cousins and, yeah, that they actually know who Nan is or who Grandpa is or, you know, I, I, and auntie and uncle and cousins. Like, I, I, I didn't have that. Um, I don't know, really, a lot of who I am and where I, where I come from and what my family consists of or anything like that. I've had to sort of mould my own reality and my own ideas of who I am um, and curate that to a large extent but also I'm aware of how the world views me and treats me and where I in inverted commas belong as a underclass Bengali woman I know where I've been put and where I will I where I refuse to stay I know where I've I've been designated I know how people view me and I know where people expect me to be and stay but I refuse and I think that that is a massive fight um, to resist that. Um, yeah. Um, and so I think maybe that, I hope that that explains like the question, the big question that seems to arise so much. And even if people don't, some people do vocalise, they're like, oh, that's never happened to me. It's like, okay, yeah, because you, well, I'll give you an example. This, comment was made by my landlord my landlady actually who in Camden who is an academic at UCL and works in like Cuban development okay um, a white woman blonde hair blue eyes inherited obviously a bunch of property um and yeah would travel what for as part of a almost like a delegation as part of work as part of her academic studies as part of that sort of thing 
when I traveled to Italy, when I moved to Italy, I was fleeing abuse. I was fleeing an extremely dangerous situation, not just physically dangerous, but really psychologically, mentally um, dangerous for me because I'd lost all hope um, for myself, for the things that I can do and what I, what I was able to do and what I was capable of doing and almost like surrendered to the fact that I would never be able to, to, I would always, I would always lose to abuse basically, like I, it would always be, yeah, I could fight as much as I wanted to put my neck on the line physically, literally put myself on the line to stand up for what was right and I would still be the one that was in the wrong because as a woman, I should not be say opening my mouth as big as I usually do, so it became dangerous, so that woman who said, oh, that's never happened to me, has never been in that situation, grew up with her family, with her parents, with her, or at least her father, and then her mother, who's, I don't remember the exact story, but they're wealthy and educated, and, you know, they share, she shared a language with her mother, as far as I know, which is a struggle for me, because my first language, my dominant language is English, it's not so the, the the sort of comparison, the sort of like, um, it's not even possible. Like the 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 amount of privilege that this woman has, um, and still has to to sort of throw that sort of comment around, and then to be someone who works in development in a in a non white country, right? Um, just shows you what kind of people get ahead in those in those spaces. Um, but don't have any real compassion or real understanding of what poverty means and what it um produces and and the dilemmas and the the uh you know the agony that it produces and the decisions that people from the underclass or from from poor backgrounds have to make and they are lose lose they are or be be abused or be abused in space a or be abused in space b you know so yeah there's nothing wrong with me, there's nothing inherently wrong with me, um, as, as much as people sort of like to make that very subtle suggestion that it's actually my fault and I must have done something to make that, those things happen. And actually quite a few people who, not a few, quite a few, but certain people who have been close to me have actually said, that, well, this sort of thing always happens to you. And I don't know how I've managed to actually forgive those people for making those comments, to be perfectly honest. Even though more recently, they've sort of like rounded those very, um, <clears throat> what would you call them? Very seething, very sharp, like very cutting, like they cut through you when someone says something like that. Like this sort of thing always seems to happen to you. Well, yeah, I've been perpetually homeless. I've been perpetually, I've, actually been abused I've been perpetually you know I haven't <laughs> what can I do um you know I've tried I've tried I've tried and tried and tried and tried and I've climbed and I've climbed and I've climbed you can look at my CV and see how many different times types of things and how many different avenues I've had to um experiment with just to see if I'm going to be acceptable and accepted and that I won't be um humiliated and harassed and bullied out of that space because I'm just too good and people don't want to be shown up because we live in such a horribly competitive um, environment and society that people don't care if you, they just don't want you to be better than them. You know, they don't care if it can help them. It doesn't care. It doesn't matter if it can help other people. It doesn't matter if it's actually a wild, like wild achievement and a great feat for you to have 
achieve the things that you've got to the same place as them in, in a sense um with much little much 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 little investment and and um you know <clears throat> help you've done it all by yourself and maybe yeah you are that bit brighter and that bit smarter and a lot of people don't want to accept that because they've grown up thinking that they are the exception and that they are exceptional and it's like actually you're not <laughs> um <laughs> There's like quite a few of us who are like pretty smart out there, you know, there's a lot of people who are really smart and a lot of people who just don't get chances because, you know, certain types of people and groups of people, wealthy people, fascists, white supremacists, Nazis, whatever you want to call them, um, think that they're exceptional and perpetuate that idea and hold on to hold on for dear life with that idea, for that idea and with that idea, so... I hope I've sort of, of course I can talk about this more broadly and I can, and I can shut that sort of like, that assumption down that, and that, that idea that there's something wrong with me down. Um, but yeah, like, um, one person has sort of rounded what they've, what they used to say to me, which was very, very, very used to hurt me so much. Um, <coughs> when they say that this, this, this always happens to you. And I'd really feel like there was something wrong with me, you know? Um, this kind of thing always happens to you. Um, but now they're sort of like, oh, you know, this this keeps happening to you and you might want to try and sort of work out, like, something, something, something. So they've sort of rounded it to make it less sort of, like, fucked up and abusive. Um, but I think people... I don't know what people what people get out of that sort of thing, but I guess to a degree they can't really relate to you and they can't um and people don't talk about this because the underclass are not visible um and so it seems like I'm a rare case but no trust me like there's so many people so many women like who have been abused and um struggled with things like this and I'm just being I'm probably yeah I'm not saying that I'm like super mega brave or anything like I said I started all of this because I had to um be I had to hold on for dear life um to what was happening and to my sanity um yeah it was just it wasn't a brave thing to to, to think do it was just a necessary thing to do <coughs> and so I kind of wanted to just um go over the last year so I've sort of briefly talked about Camden and then um, moving to Deptford. Um, it's coming up to a year now. So um moved there at the end of last year. And what happened there? Obviously, I've, did, I've done the podcast on that. And, um, you know, I moved to the Airbnb where the Airbnb host was a total fucking creep. And I really do need to actually report him to the police, but I realised because he's probably yeah, there probably is a file on him somewhere, and I probably should tell them that he's a fucking dangerous piece of work, um, but that's really hard for me, um, on some level, because it's, like, going back, it feels like going back, um, and, um, and then, um, I, I, yeah, I kind of just wanted to talk a little bit about where I'm living now, and what that sort of, like, situation has been, and it's really, 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 really interesting, because there was, obviously, Louis and David and Marta, so, like, three people, and, let's say, two men and one woman, and then there was, like, the Airbnb host, so that's four people, 
And then more recently, one of my flatmates, who I thought was cool, or like, not cool, but like an okay human being and not fucking disrespectful, but like, turned out to be a total fucking mega creep. Um, because when the new girl moved into this house, um, he started creeping on her and I noticed immediately and didn't know what to do because I didn't know if I should say something and to her or him or what like it was just so difficult because obviously I didn't want to freak her out because she just moved here and she's not from London so it was a bit like hum um I'm gonna need to keep an eye out um and yeah he was getting progressively creepier and creepier um and did a bunch of things I think I don't know if I've mentioned this on my last podcast but um a bunch of things like bragged about the fact that his ancestors were uh owned people in Africa he um made a really fucked up joke about African men's penises he um and also doing this like drunkenly by the way so he was an alcoholic and he was full like passing out every single evening on the sofa I've actually put covered a lot of this in one of my vlogs on YouTube so if you wanted to like get a little bit more of a different perspective on what I'm talking about or I'm not going to be able to tell you like every tiny little detail of what this fucked up creep was doing but I'm just giving you an idea um and was like to- like the reason why I noticed the moment that I noticed it say um that he was creeping on the new girl who'd move in was when he was super drunk and he gave her a hug and I could just see how he'd hugged her was like really invading her personal space in terms of like someone that has just moved in he doesn't know but had he just pushed his entire body against her chest and I I was like oh my god like yeah that's so inappropriate and he was he went gonna try and do it but um he like really pushed himself against everything and he went Ugh. like he made that sort of I don't know how to do it but um yeah yeah and um and I was like oh my god and then it became it just became progressively worse and worse and worse and um we actually used to share a bathroom and he was like pissing all over the toilet seat and all of that sort of stuff and um the guy the so there's like me and the new girl and then there was the Italian guy who lives here and the English guy who was the creep and um the Italian guy was sort of the the English guy sort of pit the new girl up against the Italian and I could tell he'd set up a good cop bad cop situation where he was sort of be the person in the middle being friends with both of them and but sort of subtly setting them up against each other to not like each other so he could be the one that both of them are close to individually um and I know I've had to like actually like observe this shit and be like oh my god (laughs) and and like yeah this is fucked up and all of that stuff but yeah I could see what was happening like I'm not fucking I wasn't born yesterday you know um and yeah I think a lot of these things like because obviously I don't drink um these things are really 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 maybe even more glaringly obvious to me because I don't just like laugh them off or I'm not just like half like half with it like I'm fully there (laughs) when these things happen um and that's quite difficult for me because I end up feeling very responsible um and I'm not complaining I just feel like I have to work out like a way to resolve or not even resolve like deal with these things um without obviously hurting whoever's involved like the the victim um further or to push them away um and so that was very difficult 
I went away to Italy for a few weeks and um, during that time um, the creep was creeping on um, the the new girl and the Italian guy had gone on holiday because he couldn't cope um, for some reason. Um, yeah, I'm fucking fragile as fuck. But um, yeah, he had gone to Italy and then I went to Italy and so... The new girl was actually messaging me saying he's being fucking creepy and, you know, out of order and all these things. And I was really worried. And then I came back and he'd got a promotion and he'd left. He'd basically moved out. Um, I did not want to see him at all, like, ever again. So I just avoided him for, the, like, the last two or three days that we sort of overlapped before we moved out. And, um, yeah, it was just fucking so messed up. And I was just like, wow, like, the, the things that people, men um, white men, what they get away with, um, and then when the Italian came back, um, I sort of filled him in on what, what had happened, and he was like, well, why didn't you tell me before, and I was like, well, you're away on holiday, like, I didn't want, like, you know, what could you do while you're away, like, I'm just filling you in, he basically, like, turned around and said, well, I don't believe you, um, I don't believe that he's like that, he's not an out, like, he doesn't have a drinking problem, he couldn't have done those things, because, um, Basically, the Italian and the white guy, the English guy, um, they have mutual friends and which who are two women, and he's li- like they both live with both both those two women. And so, because basically, the Italian didn't want to admit that two of his female friends hadn't picked up on it, and were okay with the fucking creep, like a disgusting pervert. Um, and that he himself was okay with a disgusting pervert, what did he try and turn around and do? And I'm not going to give you the details because I'm absolutely exhausted by the situation. It's just fucking stupid. But um, he started saying how I'm a racist, apparently, um, and and that um, I... What did he, I think that was the biggest thing that he said. I can't remember. Like I think um, he later on... Oh! <laughs> Uh, he lied about something, like, I can't remember what it was, um, he'd basically become very, very intimidated by me anyway, like, even before this conversation, because I joked that I could cook better Italian food than him, which I probably can, actually, um, I probably know more about Italian cuisine than he does, because he only sticks to, like, three dishes that he probably, like, his mum taught him how to cook, um, and, you know, I'm a very, I like exploring new food, and he had refused to, like, eat my cooking, um, prior to this, um, this is all before, like, actually the day that, the evening that the, um, the former flatmate, the English guy, made the jokes about his, not even jokes, they're not jokes, um, the comments about how his ancestors owned slaves, and the joke about, not joke, because <laughs> he does it, he does it like his joke as well, um, about African men's penises, the comment, the vile comment, um, actually that evening I had cooked a roast, so I'd done a Sunday roast, and the Italian guy, like, refused to come down and, like, join us, because he's fucking intimidated by me, and how amazing I am, do you see what I mean, like, when people, this is going back to what I was talking, a little bit about what I was talking about, about before, and he, he, the Italian guy, like, would happily eat the English guy's food, um, and so when the new girl moved in, he, this guy lied, and so he's never tried my cooking, well, before the roast dinner, we actually did have a dinner together, the four of us, um, and I, I had made the soup as a starter, and he actually asked me, like, how I'd made it, and what was in it, because it was so good, 
So do you see like these people, they start turning things around on you and they, they want to like, they, well, the Italian guy like wants like kind of shun you and doesn't want to praise you or be part of your greatness. Like, because he can't, I don't know, it's just pure racist, racism, right? Um, there's no other way of putting it. Um, and so he turned around and said that I was a racist or like an anti-Semite or xenophobe or whatever, like, because I'm, I'm researching Italian history and like the history of the Holocaust. And I, I had found out like quite interesting things about how there had been, um, particular like people who happened to be Jewish, um, who had actually collaborated with the fascist regime. And I'd spoken to him about that, like within a particular context of like the history of Italy and like, um, you know, you know, Italian politics and all these things, like, not in a way where I was, like, joking about it. I was actually having a serious conversation with him about some of the research that I was doing and obviously talking about a bunch of other things and it was all all revolving around um, how, um, uh, you know, people that I knew in Italy were still fascists and how, um, uh, you know, certain people... Um, were not tried for being Nazis. <laughs> That's my main concern right now. Like, and, and somehow that makes me anti-Semitic. So it's kind of interesting how when I point out, when I've pointed out, um, not only has he, like, before, before all of this, like, decided not to engage with me because I'm a good cook or decided to, yeah, basically. Um, and then when I point out that one of his mates um, the former flatmate is a sexist, misogynist, creep of a shitbag, racist. Um, he decides to not believe me, accuse me of lying, and then try and turn the tables around on me. Like, tell me what this was all about, like, somebody, right? I know that this is, like, a, um, a blueprint. I know this is something that they always do because it happened at university. They tried to turn around and accuse me of being a racist, they had tried, like, I don't know what the the fascist white supremacists that, that I lived with in Deptford and Camden, I don't know what they've turned around and, like, said about me, but they have threatened to, um, you know, an email, like, they sent an email saying that they're building a case against me, so I don't know what they're planning, what they think, they think that I, I'm, I'm guilty of, you know, they always try to, like, turn things around on you, um, and in this case, it's really interesting because I had had conversations, like brief conversations about sexism in Italy and racism. And this Italian guy was like, well, you know, if that had been me, I would have stuck up for you. But in reality, when it does happen, what does this, what is the sort of like self-image idealized version of themselves? And then the actual person who actually benefits so much from sexism and racism and finds that so goddamn comfortable that no they would not they would actually do the opposite they would attack you and that is exactly what he did um and I think a couple I think it just turned into this sort of argument and I was just like wow like I'm not here to like get your validation about on what happened I'm here to like just tell you what happened but it's clear that you have an agenda and you clearly are more interested in protecting like your self-image and the self-image of your two female friends who haven't picked up on this English guy being a total fucking shitbag of a creep um and just because it didn't happen to them and just because it they didn't encounter it or he didn't target them doesn't mean that he's not that person and that he didn't do that because I'm sticking up for my, my friend and my flatmate and actually like I wasn't do it for anyone and find it pretty outrageous that he, he like why like 
So the English guy had been the new girl who moved in in place of the English guy. So now there's three girls, um, me, the, the previous new girl, and then the girl who replaced the English guy. And she had kind of heard the conversation from upstairs, like they both heard it. And so if the girl who was being harassed, if that hadn't happened, surely she'd come downstairs and say, Rabia, like, what are you talking about? The other girl, the, the newest girl, came down and said, well, why, why would you lie about something like that? Which is a really, like, the most straightforward way of me, me sort of, like, seeing this whole situation. But it's, th- I'm just kind of trying to give you guys, like, a real-time, like, explanation of how people know. The point that I want to make, actually, is that a lot of the time people's anti-racism or, like, anti-sexism or, like, defence of women or, like, anything outside of themselves is nothing genuine. It's all about their self-image. It's, so it's, it's literally a facade. It's literally like... I can't be racist because that's kind of like maybe socially unacceptable in most cases. But when it does happen, I'm not actually going to like protest against it. Because it's actually something that I really, 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 really benefit from. And that's fascism. Let's put it in a very straightforward way. Because... I've spoken about this TED talk quite a lot, like why people find fascism like attractive and it's a lot to do with like the fact that people like to feel like they're better than they actually are and that they're like sort of like super benevolent and they're like really, really great, like whatever, I don't know, listen to the the TED talk, it's by your Noah Yuval Harari. Um and yeah, is he touches slightly on like Israeli fascism, but he is a little bit apologist for it. I'll bear bear that in mind. Um when listening to it, because, yeah, it's a totally, like, fucked up fascist um, society out there. Um, so, yeah, it sort of, let's say, that's the kind of the point that I wanted to make, is that this guy isn't the predator himself, the Italian. He's not, like, the abuser. He's not the creep. But he is an enabler, and he's very comfortable with it. So it's not even, like he'll sort of sit down and reflect and like apologize or like he'll retract or like he'll like grow or learn it's not even that that's how entrenched we are in this okay um it's that he'll dig his heels in and obviously I have to do the same thing um and so one evening I think he was listening to Bob Marley in the kitchen and I was like oh I don't know you listen to this kind of music because it was like literally, um, get up, stand up, stand up for your rights. And I was like, that's an interesting song to listen to for someone who literally like fucking attacked me for no reason, for uh, what reason, let's say, um, for standing up for my rights as a woman. And here you are listening. <laughs> I was just like, fuck you, man. Like, don't fucking... You know, it really did give me a bit of insight because, like, this black man singing just it makes you understand that, like, for these people, like, I'm just gonna say it, I'm just gonna say it, like, the only acceptable black person or acceptable black man for someone like that is a dead black man, and that's very transparent because of everything that I've just said, and also because, yeah. They like to listen to the music and they like to think, oh, that's, that is really cool and that, yeah, it's good music. He's like, yeah, it's good music. It's like, yeah, but you don't fucking care about who is actually singing. You don't care about, you're just a racist piece of shit, mate. Like, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how else to, like, articulate the whole ridiculousness of the situation. 
but and their total inability to like self-reflect because that what I'm saying now their inability to self-reflect is kind of funny because that's how they'll portray you even though I'm someone who sits and reflects on as much as I can and does this as much as I can and that's why I do podcasts because actually sometimes I can listen back to a podcast and I'll say actually you know what I don't think I, I think I could I should rethink that I should really rethink what I what I just said um which is really important but people like that they do you really think that they self-reflect and so they turn things around on you um because they don't have that capacity um they do but they don't they're too comfortable in white supremacy and fascism and sexism um and all of it um to want to do they don't want to this is someone who's never experienced racism never experienced sexism the two things that i'm actually like talking about and he has the nerve to say i'm a scientific person and has a nerve to say that he went to the abuser and he asked him if he had done what I was saying he had done, and he apparently said no. And this fucking dimwit of an Italian guy, like, who thinks he's a scientist and scientific, is going to think, oh, yeah, what are, the, what, what are the chances of an abuser saying that? Um, yeah, I'm a racist and I'm a sexist and I'm an abuser and I'm a misogynist and I'm a creep. You know? This is what I mean by by none of this making sense. So, I actually just wanted to, again, like cover this because it really does have it's not it's not rare it's not rare by any means like any any measure let's say um this is widespread it's this sort of like I'm gonna be you know um uh pretend not to be racist or sexist because that's not socially acceptable really um unless it until it does happen and then it's totally realize it is absolutely socially acceptable um and then the other thing is like rather than admitting that you might have been friends with someone who is those things rather than you want to save face right and you want to you want to imagine that you can never be that person that was dumb enough to be like buddies with this person and yeah you do like that person and still clearly do they do this like my flatmate clearly does still like that person and clearly really dislikes me for pointing out that he likes this person and it's more um, important for him to attack me and bring me down and accuse me of being (laughs) he called me a um a drug abuser because I pointed out that the previous flatmate was an alcoholic he was like uh well you're a drug abuser and I was like what are you talking about he's like you smoke weed I was like no I don't I've given up smoking weed like I gave up months ago and he's like well you take mushrooms like yeah I take mushrooms like as a therapy and he so do you see what I mean like they will do any it doesn't matter like do you see what kind of person this person is defending and 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 attacking me not only not only defending the other person but the the type of defense is to attack me and my integrity and who I am his attempts to do that that is nothing unique that is the point that I'm trying to make I hope I'm making that very clear. Um, because this is not a rarity. Like most people, most guys, most people, they're not abusers themselves. But the the extent and the measures that they will take to protect and defend the fact that they are friends with or were friends with or at any point, they will go to lengths and they will gaslight you. They will attack you. They will, they will accuse you of things that you never did. They'll lie. 
like this guy will pretend that he's never eaten my cooking um, because apparently he only ever eats Italian food cooked by Italians because nobody else on, on, on the planet can, can cook that food. I mean, I think within the first few months of, it, of, of moving to Italy, I was cooking like pretty much restaurant-grade like dishes um, <laughs> because it's not, you know, because I'm good at it. And, and you know what the other really, really, really funny thing is, is that so many of the restaurants in Italy, if you go into their actual, into the kitchens, you'll find Bengalis are working there and it's Bengalis who are cooking that food. Um, so their pride is, it's just image, image. It's a fucking facade. It's like a fucking mask. It's like nothing. It's so superficial. It's so shallow. It's so skin deep. Like it's so, like that's how a pa it's paper thin. It's like, I don't know what how else to describe it. Like it's so transparent at the same time because it's so, it's so superficial and it's so thin it's so thinly veiled, um, all of those things, you know, it's, it's all of those, things. there's nothing deep about it, there's nothing sophisticated about it, it's very unsophisticated, it's very uncivilized, it's very um, unintelligent, it's very manipulative, it's very um, callous, it's very ugly, it's, you know, all of those things that are the, just the opposite of life and op the opposite of beauty and the opposite of truth and the opposite of light and the opposite of all the things that I wish to be and hope to be and want to be and hope that I am. And so it's really, 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 it goes against me, like, really quickly. And I can identify it really, really, really quickly. It unsells me very, very, very quickly. And yeah. It, I do go against it, I do, um, and I'm not going to stop, um, on some level it is like a little bit annoying, but I think that this person is so, it's pretty innocuous, like in their own way, like they're not like the other one who's like, who was a fucking, who's so out of control, and oh god, he was so disgusting, like he would brag about how he had, um, such violent sex with his um, ex-girlfriend, one of his ex-girlfriends, or I don't know, whoever he was sleeping with, whether it was girlfriend or not, I don't know, um, that the police had to be called twice, and this Italian is like, oh, maybe that's normal for him. So so do you see, like, the, the mountain heap of excuses that this guy will make for an abuser, and then, for me, would never give me the benefit of the doubt, will never sort of open that little um, Pandora's box that might be that she's telling the truth or that she does have integrity. Like, of course, I don't need him to validate my integrity um, or that she might be right about something or that she might be a good cook or that she might be interesting. or That that cannot happen on his planet. Planet white supremacy, planet fascism, planet white people are the best, planet Italians are the supreme fucking... I mean, <laughs> when you kind of like think, realise what they think of themselves and what they actually are, you're just like, wow, that's a fucking joke, isn't it, um, because <laughs> there's no substance, like, you would expect people who think that much of themselves would actually have some fucking depth to them, but they don't, they actually are that superficial, they are actually that so afraid 
of recognizing who they are and for someone to tell them who what what is actually going on and what they are and actually like you are a threat because you're you are you do have depth you do have integrity you do have honesty you do you are someone who actually doesn't just say i'm not this i'm not a sexist or i'm not i believe in equality you actually fight for it and you actually stand for it and you breathe it and you you uh, enact it and you um, struggle for it and you articulate it and you're very consistent with it and that's that just shows up everything that they're not they're not consistent they're not truthful they're not they don't fucking care about equality what they care about is their paycheck at the end of the, the fucking month and the fact that they can save up for their little house wherever they want and that they don't get racist abuse um, anywhere you know living in the part of the town where I grew up my family experiencing racism our entire lives and this fucking white Italian is just like, oh, I've never experienced racism, no. So do you see what I mean? Like, I mean, I'm happy for him on some level, but it's also like, wow, like, you know, it's, 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 it's just the privilege and the, the, the mm, what can you say, like being so sheltered. And that's where, this is probably better for another um another podcast but it's like where people are so sheltered and luckily don't think this guy does self-victimize like luckily but the next level if you were to go further than this is when they start self-victimizing um because they actually don't have um any kind of they're, they're so protected they're so in their little co- like cozy little um world that they have to for some reason, like, I don't know what the pathology is behind that, they have to actually start enacting um, violence on themselves, <laughs> they have to they have to go into that mode, um, but I think that, that that's the next step, they're the next steps towards, like, dictatory, dictators and, like, actual, like, demagogues and, like, sadistic um, fascists, and it's another level, but they are different levels of the same thing, and they're different um, aspects and different faces and different um wings you would say and also like different um because it's it's sort of like part of the same web um because obviously he's an an enabler he makes excuses he attacks he um gaslights he um only exclusively has italian white italian friends like come on like and and then has the the audacity, like he's that audacious to turn around and try and tell me that I'm I'm an anti-Semite or I'm didn't even know the difference. He called, called me racist to begin with, and I was like, actually, I think what you're accusing, what you think you're accusing me of is xenophobia, but I don't even think that you you're even right in that. But maybe you're accusing me of anti-Semitism. So it's sort of like that's how ignorant this person is, and at the same time, they're gonna go about like trying to tell me what's what, and like it's honestly like I think. Um, yeah, maybe I am a bit intimidating, I don't know, like, I mean, I'm just trying to learn, you know, like, um, and other people just prefer to be ignorant, and yeah, I think that they know everything for some reason, and are better than everyone else, just like, you don't fucking know what you're talking about, mate, literally, <laughs> so, yeah, I think that that's kind of covering what I wanted to talk about, how like, I guess this is, this is a type and a level and a particular brand of more sort of innocuous enabling. 
Um, yet, no matter how innocent it sort of is on, on compared to the other types of enablers who are so, who can be so, 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 so much more toxic and disgusting in their behaviour and so much more venomous and can really, 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 really escalate things towards you. This is sort of like, still difficult, but I'd fucked up, obviously, to defend, oh my god, like, that sort of behaviour, and to turn around and, and do everything in his power to make me out to be the villain in the situation, which just isn't working. Um, but he'll hold on to that, and then he will hold on to um, the comfort, the sweet fucking comfort of villainizing a brown, you know, Bangladeshi Muslim woman because it's easy. And because it, it, it protects him and his, his image of, of supremacy and, and his behaviour and his conduct and what he benefits from and where he gets his privileges from. Um, and this isn't unusual, like my ex did that. <laughs> it's, it, my Italian ex, so it's sort of like, I am the scapegoat and it's, it's, it's fine. Like, <laughs> you know, this is, it, on this level, it's sort of like, yeah, I know, I know it's easy to scapegoat me. I know it's fucked up, but you are kind of like small fry in some sense which I guess I'm grateful for on one level but still fucked up um so yeah I think that's everything that I wanted to update you guys on and I kind of wanted to yeah it's been a year so I'll say three in Deptford and then the Airbnb host and then this English guy and then this Italian guy so it's been one year and seven fucking fucked up cunts in my life, I'm sorry to use that word, but it's just like, and I haven't even like included the, no, that's sort of like small fry, but it's, it's a pathology in itself, but I'll, um, the colonial, the colonialist, um, pathology, but again, that's for another time, so what's for another time, um, this, the, the, the need to self-victimise and inflict, so the sort of like sadomasochistic aspect of um, fascism, which I haven't covered yet, but it's more related to what happened to me at SOAS and the characters that I met at SOAS, and then the colonial mindset, which is, like, the need to stay relevant, their, their need, because that, that time in history is gone in a big way, and they, when they meet you, when they see you, they, the ones that were out there in the colonies, and I'm talking about living here in southwest London in Fulham, there's a lot of them around, um, they sort of have some sort of, it seems like some sort of flashback to the, the days where they, they were colon, they were out there, um, and I've noticed that more recently, um, the way, yeah, <laughs> it's quite fascinating, um, because I'm just like, don't fucking look at me like that, <laughs> you know, I know what they're thinking, and then you can see them, because they're, they're very old, and they have really shit skin, like, they've got really bad skin, because they've been to much hotter climates than they should be, they should have been exposed to, and you can really see it, and you can see it in the way they look at you, and they, how they talk to you, and how they approach you, and also, like, how they talk, everything, you can see, like, they were military, they were before military or navy, they were colonizers, and they still are, and they're that's what they are, and I can much eat, I can spot them in a way that I couldn't ten years ago, which is interesting and useful, um, but also like oh god, like just don't talk to me, because <laughs> um, I started a new job, and yeah, uh, one of the customers was like definitely like that. 
can I ask, excuse me, can I ask you a question? You just want to tell them to fuck themselves, but, you know, you can tell they're, they're, they're actually just saying, they're saying that because they want to look at you. That's what it is. They want to look at my, they want, they want, yeah. I know what it is, because the question that they ask you is, like, why are you even, like, why are we having this conversation? This is it's not even, like, a proper question or anything. Like, it's just weird. They ask you, like, this rad, this random questions. Because they need, yeah, that sort of um, harking back to where they probably thought, oh, she looks like those people in the tribes where I used to think I was God and now who, where am I? Like, you're a fucking wrinkly old bag of shit. That's what you are. Um, anyway, so hopefully I'll get round to doing the podcast on those. <laughs> I probably need to stop swearing. Um, but I've had, honestly, I've had to deal with, like, quite annoying people recently. Um, but I'll try, I'll try to do the next podcast without swearing. Anyways, um, I hope you found this interesting. I hope I've made sense. Um, again, it's really, these are really, like, um diaries in some 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 way and also like brain dumping um thought dumping um but also hoping that um this can help someone along the way and also for overthinkers people who have to actually pick these things apart because they are still dealing with I am still dealing with the repercussions and the the fallout from the history that I'm talking about and the history of um, exploitation and imperialism and colonialism and genocide um, and the history of racism, I'm still, it is my reality. Like, there's no, like if I'm taking care of my mum, for example, I will have to understand her history or I'll have to understand what she's been through and why in order for me to take care of her. Um, I have to do the same in order to take care of myself. And so it is painful, it is difficult, it's agonising, it's fucking exhausting but I still have to do it um and not for it to be sort of wasted in some ways and I I think that doing sober politics um is a way for it to not be wasted my ever-present overthinking um how you know it's exhausting um at least I can put it into something um you know that that is um a record of what's going on um yeah so hopefully i'll do another one soon and i hope you enjoyed this podcast i hope you're all safe i hope you're all well and i will speak to you all soon bye